Today in our look at the Word of God, we'll be looking at Jeremiah chapter 21 as we are in the days of awe, the Shabbat between the uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the High Holy Days, so this is known as Shabbat Teshuvah, the Sabbath of repentance, as God brings us closer to Himself through repentance as we draw near to Him. And so life or death brought out very clearly in this chapter. The Word of the Lord uh, to Jeremiah, when King Zedekiah sent Pashu, Pashu and Zephaniah, the Kohanim, saying, please inquire of the Lord for us. And that's pretty interesting because uh, the king did not uh, really care about the advice of Zedekiah, at least that's what we see is looking back, and, and, uh, and, and Zedekiah's response to Jeremiah's words and counsel and word of the Lord. Um, but uh, he sends these two men, and one of them, Pasho, Pasho was very uh, was not kind at all to Jeremiah, as we'll see later on in life, but uh, in, the, in the account. But he sends these two men to go and ask, to inquire of the Lord for us. And again, that's kind of interesting, because they were not following the Lord in any way, shape, or form, uh, at least not according to the word of God. Uh, outward ceremonies, outward religiosity, yes. Uh, going through the, the, the rote ceremonies at the temple, no doubt. But as far as having a real connection with the Lord and really wanting to hear from the Lord, it wasn't evident. And so, but nonetheless, trying times bring about trying measures. And so Zedekiah is concerned. The uh, Babylonians have already come and, and taken a whole bunch of people captive twice and a whole bunch of silver and gold, and have laid tariffs on the land, and so they want to kind of search out all kind of avenues, so he's asking various different prophets, and he sends a message to Jeremiah, if there's a word of the Lord for us. For Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works, that the king may go away from us. So there he reveals the reason that they're going to Jeremiah. Babylon is attacking us. Nebuchadnezzar is making war against us. And maybe the Lord will deal with us according to his wonderful works. God is wonderful. God is almighty. God is all-powerful. And maybe he will do something miraculous for us. Maybe he'll part the Red Sea for us. Maybe he'll send an angel that will go and destroy all the army of, of Nebuchadnezzar as he's done in the past with the Assyrian uh, army, and, and as he did back with, with Pharaoh's, and Pharaoh's army, maybe he'll do one of, the, one of his wonderful works for us. Well, that seems like a nice request, right? right? So they're sending for a request to go and seek the Lord and ask God to do some miracle for us. Right? We're praying for a miracle. They we're wanting a miracle. Anything wrong with that? They got troubles in the land, troubles going on in their lives, problems. And they're wanting God to do a miracle, right? Maybe many of us have had prayers like that. Maybe many of us have, have gone through trying times, struggling through problems, and we're praying, God, do a miracle for us. God, you're mighty, you're almighty, you've worked wonderfully in the past. We've read in the Bible all these things that you've done. We've heard testimonies of things you've done in people's lives. We might have even seen it in our own life. God, do another one of your mighty miracles, one of your mighty wonders what are your wonderful, powerful works of the Lord? Do that in our behalf, right? 
I would imagine all of us at one time or another have prayed for God to do some mighty miracle, heal this, this disease, cause my boss to change his mind, cause this situation to work out, work reconciliation in this seemingly impossible, difficult time. Do something miraculous, Lord. Help us through this trial. Help me pass this test. Help me get this good grade. You know, help me to uh, get that job. Do some miracle in my behalf. Nothing wrong with that, right? So Jeremiah said, You shall say to Zedekiah, The Lord God of Israel says, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands with which you fight against the king of Babylon who besieges you outside the walls, and I will assemble them in this city. Well, I doubt that's what he wanted to hear. I sent you asking for a miracle, and you send a message back that God's going to turn back the weapons of war, but not the weapons of war of Nebuchadnezzar, not the weapons of war of Babylon's army, but you're going to turn back our weapons of war. You're going to turn our weapons of war back on us. Now, is God mighty enough? Is God powerful enough to defeat all of Nebuchadnezzar's army? Could God do it? Yeah. I mean, look at what he did uh, through Gideon, which is a small 300 army. Look at what he did with David and his, and his small band of mighty men of valor. Time and time again, God has won mighty miracles through, through small means. So here they're asking, they're praying, they're asking Jeremiah to pray in their behalf, go and seek the Lord and get a word from the Lord and ask God to do a miracle for us. And why won't God do that? Why Jeremiah send them a message that, oh, God's going to turn back the weapons of war, but not like you want. Not Nebuchadnezzar's army, not his weapons, but your own weapons are going to be turned back on you. They're going to besiege your walls. I'm going to assemble them outside the city. Why would he answer like that? And you know, then the Bible say that they, how would a parent, if, if they ask for a fish, would give them a snake? If a child asked for a fish, we'd give them a snake? How could God do that? We're asking for a miracle. And God says no. Well, the answer lies in what we saw on Rosh Hashanah. That God has laid out a way and a path to life. In the Psalms, David says that he will not, God will not hear our prayers if there is sin in our heart. And so Zedekiah, he's wanting a miracle, but the miracle does not start with someone else. The miracles in our life do not start with God changing someone else. The miracles in our lives start with God changing us. And that's where the miracle really begins. That's the real miracle. Oh, it's easy for God to create an earth. It's easy for God to say, let there be light and there's light. It's easy for God to do that all in six days and then take even the Sabbath day off. That's nothing for the Lord. It's easy for God to part Red Seas. That's nothing. It's easy for God to send an angel and wipe out a whole army. But it's harder for God. It's actually impossible for God to change someone's heart that doesn't want it changed. 
There is something even more powerful than God. And that is the power of choice that he has given to us. And Jeremiah knew, God knew that Zedekiah wasn't coming with a humble heart, wasn't seeking God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. He just wanted a miracle. Kind of like Pilate saying to uh, Caiaphas, uh, or uh, yeah, Pilate saying to, uh, to Yeshua, do some miracle. Let me see some miracle. Herod, do some miracle. Let me see a miracle. Perform some miracle for me. He wasn't wanting a miracle so that he might believe. He was just wanting some entertainment. And God's not in the entertainment business. And God's not into, in, in, in the, uh, you know, just solving all our problems for us. When the biggest problem is our relationship with him, our experience with him. When that is right, when that is set right, when our sins have been confessed, when our rebellion has been surrendered, then God can do the miracles that he's wanting to do. Then the door is open, and the path is paved, and God is almighty. God, nothing is impossible for the Lord when we surrender all to him. Then God can work amazing things when we allow him to transform us, when we allow him to turn our doubt into faith, when we allow him to change our anger into forgiveness, when we allow him to change our worry and fears into trust and hope. When we allow him to change our, our bitterness into love and our selfishness into caring and our greed into generosity. Those are the real miracles of God. And when those miracles take place, it really doesn't matter what Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are doing. They can come and they can kill us. They can come and they can take us captive. They did it to Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and, and Mishael and Ezekiel and others, and it didn't affect their character. It didn't affect their peace of mind. It didn't affect their, their relationship with God. It didn't affect their walk with God. Nebuchadnezzar can threaten them, if you don't bow down to my statue, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. We don't care. We're not going to disobey God just to live. You're going to eat the king's food or you're going to die. Well, we don't have to eat the king's food if it's not what God says, even if we die. When our life is right with God, it doesn't matter what the world is saying and doing and trying to force upon us. And so King Zedekiah didn't have to fear Babylon if his walk was right with God. Whether or not God worked a miracle or not to spare the city and spare the people from Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he didn't have to fear. It didn't matter. Because he'd still be right with God. And that's all that matters. That's all that counts. That's the real miracle. That's the mighty works of God that God is always willing to do and always willing to hear. And that's the prayers during these 10 days of awe that we should be praying. More importantly than turn away the hurricane and dissipate it or all like this, 
all these other type of things that we could be praying and miracles and God can do. But it starts with, God, change my heart. God, show me what sins are in my life and lead me towards you. Grow me more towards you. And we can all grow closer to God. None of us are so close to God that we don't have room for growth. If we think we're okay, then we're really not okay. We're really in big trouble. God is so much higher than we are, there's always room for growth. Throughout eternity, we'll be able to grow more and more in his character, more and more in his love, more and more in his perfection. That's what he wants us to do on a daily basis, be growing with him. And so now we're reminded during these 10 days of awe, reminded of that, reminded that we can pray to God and ask him to open up our books. As the judgment is taking place, open up our books and let us see what's there. Let us see what's on our record. Let's see if there's anything that hasn't been corrected, anything that hasn't been confessed, no matter how far back, and let him take it off the record books. Let him cleanse it. Kind of like you know, checking your, your, your credit score every so often. <laughs> you know, once a year they give you the free check, credit score check. Once a year God gives us a free check, credit score check that we can check our credit with him, his ratings with him. Not only every once a year, God gives us a free every day, anytime we want. <laughs> God, is there anything on our record that's still there? I need to get paid off. And the amazing thing is God pays it for us. God has already paid it for us. We can just accept it and thank him for that and receive the forgiveness. He's already paid it, but we don't receive it until we confess it and surrender it to him. And then we're able to gain the victory, too. It comes through his power, through his grace, his transformation. And I'm sure if they prayed that prayer and sent that message to Zedekiah, to Jeremiah, God would have sent them a different message. God would have embraced them and delivered them and changed them. But just wanted to see a miracle for selfish reasons. And same for us. If our prayers are just selfish prayers with selfish motives, chances are, without clean hearts, God won't answer those prayers. Verse 5, I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath. I will strike the inhabitants of the city, both man and beast, and they shall die of a great pestilence. Why would God say something like that? That's not nice. Is that not, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that's not my God. My God would never do that. Well, maybe your God wouldn't. (laughs) But the God of heaven and earth, the God who created all things, that's what he said. And here's what he ended up doing. We can make our own God if we want. We can create our own God. (laughs) Or we can believe what God is. And God is merciful. Very merciful. But again, we're reminded at Yom Kippur, he's also a God of judgment. So why would he do something like this? Why would he say, I will fight against you with an outstretched hand. I will, with a strong arm, in anger and fury and great wrath, I'll strike the inhabitants of the city. Why would he say that? Yes. Trying to awaken them into 
repentance. I instill a little fear of the Lord in them. (laughs) But why? Why would he want to instill the fear of the Lord in them? Because he loves them. Yeah. Out of love. The Bible says, those whom I love, I rebuke and I chasten. It's out of love that God tells us these things. It's out of love that he wants us to, as any good parent would do to their child. In correction and loving them. And guiding them in their right path. And if we saw a blind person walking into an oncoming bus, wouldn't we warn them? Wouldn't we yell, scream, jump out and try and help them? And God sees they're on the wrong path. A train is coming that's going to annihilate them even worse than Nebuchadnezzar. Judgment day, everlasting destruction will come upon them. And he he warns us because he loves us. And so he gives us this time of year, at least this time of year, to remind us of these things. Afterward, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, and such as are left in the city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. So Nebuchadnezzar is not going to have pity. Nebuchadnezzar is not going to have any mercy. But God has mercy. If we meet the conditions for it. Which are very clear and very plain. Confess our sins. Come to him with a full heart, as we read on, on uh, Wednesday night. Seek him, call upon him, pray to him. Seek him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and he will be found by us. Because he loves us, he's calling out for us, he's seeking us, he knows the thoughts he has towards us. And he's drawing us with his everlasting love. And if we don't resist, we will be drawn into him. It's harder to resist God than it is to surrender to him. If we just surrender, that's all it takes. Surrender to him. It's easier to get into heaven than it is to miss out on heaven. Unfortunately, the Bible tells us that most will not choose that path. Most will hold on to hardness of heart and resist. But God doesn't give up, and he continually tries, even with Zedekiah, reaching out, imploring him, besieging him. And all these warnings that God gave through Jeremiah, they end up working. They end up changing the heart of the king. And the king ends up coming to the Lord. Not king of Judah, Zedekiah. But King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. He ends up saying, seeing that, hey, what Jeremiah said came to pass. Jeremiah warned them. I was going to come and I wasn't going to be merciful and, and I was going to destroy them. And I did. Jeremiah was right. And he ends up believing in the Lord God of heaven and earth. This Babylonian king comes to the God of Israel. But the king of Israel refused. And so God's warnings had a purpose. God's warnings today 
have a purpose as well. But how will they hear unless someone sounds the shofar? How will they hear unless an awakening call goes forth? The Lord says, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. God gives us a choice. Simple choice. Life or death. And that choice has been down through the ages, has always been there, has always been given to us. Back from Adam and Eve, down through the ages. God could have created the Garden of Eden without a tree of knowledge of good and evil. God could have created the planet without putting a test there. But he didn't. He created it with a choice. Life or death. And that choice is still there today. And I believe that choice will be there for all eternity. Even in heaven, even in the new heavens and new earth, we'll have the choice to be able to say, God, I don't want this anymore. I've enjoyed the ride, and I don't want it anymore. Now, I also believe, because the Bible says that rebellion will not rise its head ever again, that no one will make that stupid choice again. But it's because he allowed us to make that choice and that we'll have that demonstration of what it was like life under God and life under the devil. And no one for eternity will ever make the wrong choice ever again. But he let us have that choice right from the beginning. Life or death. And so he gives that choice to Zedekiah. Do you want life or do you want death? Right? If God's judgment had already become upon Zedekiah, he wouldn't give this message. He wouldn't give him the warning of all that's going to happen if he doesn't turn to him. Jeremiah would have just given him pleasing words when Zedekiah sent the message. Go and inquire of the Lord. Will God do one of his miracles? Jeremiah said, yes, God will do a miracle for you. God's going to heal you. God's going to do this thing. God's going to destroy the Babylonians. God's going to break their yoke. Zedekiah would have just been lost. But in love, God gave the message of warning of what will happen if he doesn't repent. And then he lets him know, but I'm giving you a choice. Life or death. Make the right choice. Choose life and live. And this is, again, no different than he gave to Adam and Eve. No different than what Moses gave us. This is from Deuteronomy, from in the Torah. Almost the exact same words. Moses said, quoting God, I set before you life and death. Blessing and curses. Choose life that you may live, that you may love the Lord your God and obey his voice and cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. Choose God. And I implore us tonight to choose God, to choose the Lord, to choose life, to choose everlasting life. Choose to walk in God's ways. Choose to obey Him. To choose to cling to Him. And we will have length of days. We will have eternal life. That's what God offers us. That's what God gives to us. It's pretty simple. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Yeshua the Messiah. Same choice down through the ages, over and over again.
God gives us that choice tonight too. Choose life. Choose to choose him. Choose to experience him. And he tells us the word of God tells us when he gives us life, he gives us life more abundantly. He's not just talking about breathing and having life, but life more abundantly. We can have everlasting life, not only in eternity, but we can be experiencing it now. True life. A life without fear. A life without worry. A life without care. I didn't say a life without problems. But a life without fear in spite of the problems. A life without worry in spite of the troubles. A life with joy. A life with true happiness. True life. Really living life to its fullest. And there's these guys who rode, ride these bicycles on crazy hills, you know, with just a cliff on this side and a cliff on this very narrow thing, going 30, 40 miles an hour down those things, with their GoPro filming the whole thing. They're living life to the fullest, right? Or they jump off these cliffs with, with just this basically parachute and go zooming down these mountains and snow and ice and glaciers. Living life to the fullest. So they think. But real boldness, really living without fear, is living with God, clinging to him, obeying him when the rest of the world says don't obey him. When the devil and everything inside you is yearning to not obey God and resist God. That's really boldness. That's really courage. That's real strength. That's really living life to the fullest. Walking with God, like, like Daniel. Throw me in the lion's den if I, I'm not going to stop praying. That's true faith. That's true courage. Throw us in the fire, fiery furnace. I don't care. I'm not going to bow down to your statue. That's courage. That's the power of the Lord. That's living life. You want excitement in your life, test God that way. I'm testing my jumping off a cliff. <laughs> As he says, try me in these things. Test me and try me. Yeah, give faithfully to the Lord and then see how, how God will bless and live on what's left. That's courage. Trusting in the Lord. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine and pestilence, but he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans who besiege you, he shall live and his life shall be as a prize to him. So God gives us a choice. Gave him a choice. And God gives us a choice as well. For I have set my face against this city for, the, for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall burn it with fire. And again, God had this pen beforehand so when it was done, it would stand as a testimony to Nebuchadnezzar and all who lived through it. And God gave it as a warning beforehand so that the people would have a choice. And God gives us a warning now today as well. Concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, hear the word of the Lord, house of David. Execute judgment in the morning and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor Least my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of your evil doings. He sets it plain why we're experiencing this. Because of our evil doings, because of our wrong choices. But 
execute judgment in the morning. Deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do what is right. Help those that are being oppressed. Stand up for the right. Stand up and speak up against those who are being lied about and spoken badly about. Instead of listening to the gossip, stand up and say, I don't want to hear the gossip about that person. I don't want to hear the negativity about that person. You got a problem with them? You go deal with them. You go and make it right with them. You go and speak with them. Stand for the right. Stand for those that are being oppressed. Execute judgment. When wrong is being done, then execute judgment. Tough love. For their own good, for their own benefit. A caring boss doesn't let an employer, employee just do what's wrong continually without correcting them, where they end up getting hurt or damaged or hurting the company or hurting someone else? Would you want the person who's building your car to build it wrong and have his supervisor just, just pass it off and, well, I'm, just, I'm not going to correct them. I'm just going to say nice words. I'm just going to be kind. Would you want that to be the supervisor of supervising your car being built? No. God in love. Execute judgment. So he's telling the king, execute judgment. Don't let these people who are in rebellion get away with it. Don't let these Levites who are, who are not following the word of God continue that way in the temple. The Kohen Gadol, he's telling them, correct the other Kohenim. Do what is right. Those who are worshiping wrong, worshiping these idols, Correct them. Execute judgment. Stand for the right. And deliver him who is oppressed. Be merciful. That balance, that's how God is. God corrects, and he's merciful to those that are oppressed. He corrects those that are in rebellion. And so that's what he's telling the king. King, be like me. A balance. Correct those that are doing wrong and being merciful to those that are being hurt. That's what he wants of each one of us. When we truly have the character of God, we'll correct those that are doing wrong, and we'll be merciful to those that are being hurt. Balance. Balance in how we raise our children, balance in how we conduct our marriages, live our lives. But the king doesn't do it. And that's the problem. I am against you, O inhabitants of the valley, and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, who shall come down against us? Or who shall enter our dwelling? I will punish you according to the fruit of your doing, says the Lord. I will kindle a, forest, a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around it. Why? I will punish you according to the fruit of your doing. God's judgment is not based on God, it's based on our choices. In relation to God, God gives us the free choice. And those that will be judged in the end will be judged because of the choices we make. And those who receive everlasting life will receive it because of the choices we make in choosing to surrender to God. 
Choosing to receive his love. Choosing to hear his voice call upon us. Choosing to call out to him. And cry out to him and pray to him. And to seek him. And to receive him. To confess our sins. To receive his forgiveness. And to receive his power to change our hearts and lives. It all comes down to choice. So choose this day whom you will follow. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will follow the Lord. Choose the way of life or the way of death. Well, God gives us the choice. And through eternity, those that will be there will be there because they've chosen it. And those that won't be there won't be there because they've chosen it. Tonight, God gives us a choice. Whether we want life, eternal life, or death. So as we pray together, let's invite God, especially during these ten days of awe, invite God to reveal to us if there's any sin on our record, anything there that we want need to be confessed, any form of rebellion, any resistance against God, let us confess it before him and receive his forgiveness. And as we pray, if there's any area that God's calling you to execute judgment, any area that he's showing you that you need to do what is right, in relation to some situation that you are in a position to correct over. We're not all in everyone position to correct everyone over everything. At various points in our life, God's put us in positions to correct others and execute judgment. And if you're in that kind of a position right now, well, ask God to give you the courage and the strength to do it, and do it mercifully, and do it kindly, and do it lovingly, but still to do it. Maybe there was a time in your past where God called you to execute judgment and you didn't do it, and you want to repent of that and receive God's forgiveness, and maybe there's still opportunity to, to make up for it. Or thirdly, maybe God's revealing to you that he's calling you to deliver those that are being oppressed. Maybe there's some situation in your life, you know if someone is being oppressed, someone who's being mistreated, someone who's being abused, someone who's maybe doing self-abuse, someone who's being maligned. God's calling you to deliver those that are oppressed. When we pray, ask for God to give you the courage and the strength and the words to do what is right. Or fourthly, maybe you've been praying for some miracle. God, do this miracle in my life. God, work this deliverance. God, work this healing. God, change this situation. God, change the heart of my landlord or my boss or my neighbor. Ask me some miracle for God to do. Maybe let's start by asking God, Lord, is there something in my life that needs to change before you can work that miracle? Lord, work the change in me. Do the miracle in me. I'll tell you an interesting story. I wasn't planning. I just thought of it. 
number of years ago, I was working in New York City, did this for six years, sharing food with the homeless. We'd go out with pots of soup and lunch sandwiches and, and books and magazines and Bibles, and we'd go and share the food with the homeless. And I was uh, sharing this one location up in Harlem, and, uh, and this guy um, just got in my face. He was eating. He had, we had these two sandwiches. We made a, a sandwich with mayonnaise and lettuce on it, and then we had another sandwich that was peanut butter and jelly. And he put his two sandwiches together on top of each other. And he was eating them together. <laughs> and he was talking to me right in my face. And, and the food was coming out. <laughs> and he was not talking nicely. He was telling me, God is not real. There is no God. And, and uh, you know, my God is my gun. And that's all I, can, that's all I need. And, and um, I was just praying, Lord, send the Holy Spirit upon this person. Just convict this person. <laughs> oh, God, help this person. <laughs> I kept praying for him. And eventually he, he walked away. Well, then another guy came over and um, came up to the van and uh, asked for lunch. And I looked inside to get a lunch, and we were all out. And I turned to him and I said, I'm sorry, we're all out. He got so mad. He got so angry. And he was a big guy. Again, I was up in Harlem, and he just started yelling and ranting and raving. I should say, before that guy came. So as I was praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon that other guy before he left, I was praying for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit missed his target. And he hit me. And I went from, Lord, change this guy and just get this guy out of here and remove him, to, Lord, save this man. Lord, give me love for this person. And I was just filled with love towards that guy. And I began pleading with him to surrender to the Lord. So again, anyway, he ended up walking away after that. So then I'm dealing with this other guy. He was really angry and yelling, screaming, slamming the door on a, hitting the van. And, um, and, and, and so I went up to him and I said, looked him in the eye, and I said, God can deliver you from your anger. And he mentioned that he was a Muslim and he didn't need these Bibles and things. And when I said that, his face just melted. And he just stood there. And so I went and got some literature and got a Bible and I offered it to him and he accepted it. And he thanked me so much for it. And he walked away with those in his hand. God can do powerful things and wonderful things. And I don't think God would have done that for that man if God hadn't done what he did in my life just prior to that with the other guy. It needs to start with us. It needs to start in our hearts, in our lives. So again, if you're praying for some miracle, for some God to do something out there, let's start with praying for God to do something in here. So let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your power and your might. Thankful for your glory and your love for us. Thankful, Lord, that you've created all things and you've got great plans for us. You're getting ready and you're creating a heaven for us. And you're getting ready to create a new earth for us. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Create in us a new spirit. 
create in us a desire for you. And remove out of us everything that's not of you and everything that's contrary to you. Lead us in the way everlasting. Change our hearts and our minds. Forgive us for our sins. Give us a gift of repentance and of confession and forgiveness and transformation. God, work your miracle in our lives. God, give us the the strength and the courage and the love to execute judgment in a loving, kind, gentle, gentle, but clear, truthful way. Lord, give us the courage and strength to stand up for those that are oppressed and to do what's right. Lord, work your miracle in our hearts and minds, changing us and transforming us. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.